some people will claim adultery even if they're not really sure. Don't end your marriage because you're thinking, thinking. there is something going on. Yeah, right. Let emotions talk. drive that. Yeah. 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 I say you got to talk. From my experience, the biggest thing is communication. You got to sit down, and, and if you're not doing that, then that's where the problem lies. And so before you contact an attorney and held this long conversation with me in a consult, have you went and talked to your wife or have you went and talked to your husband? Have you addressed this, this, and this? Have you said, hey, I'm falling out of love because we're not doing anything. We used to go places. You used to buy me things. This is boring. But if you're saying it to the lawyer, take that time before you spend that money and see if you can use that money to do something different with the marriage or you step up. Yo, this is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, collective one. And I'm Ronnie Gatry, the emotional one. And we are the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for the black male's perspective. Peace and blessings, everyone. We want to welcome you to the latest and greatest episode. And you know we always have to shout out all of our listeners, whether you're new or old. We appreciate you guys for hanging out with us, even if it is for a little while. Everyone is here. Gat, how are you, sir? Walker, I'm great. It's another frigid night in Birmingham, but I'm glad to be here with you fellers. Good to have you here. Black, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. How about you guys? I am great. Doing well. So well, because we have a guest. Isn't that right, Gat? Yes, Walker. You know how amped up I get when we have guests on the podcast, right? Yes. So I'm trying my best to retain my composure, but I cannot. You actually try? I try. I try. I fail a lot, but I try. That's why it doesn't look like you try. Got it. So, Walker, the lady sitting next to you is a proud graduate of Inslee Magna High School. Walker, an esteemed alumni of Miles Miles Law School, Miles College. I hope I got that right. Miles Law School. Miles Law School. <laughs> <laughs> She's also the pride of the University of Montevallo. All right. Mm-hmm. But Walker, before I give everyone her name, I got to tell you a little story. Okay. This this fine young lady sitting next to you right now. I happened to meet her at an event. Right. Uh, it was a real estate oriented event. And she's kind of like she looks now. She was, you know, she, 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 she wants you to know she is. She needs you to know she is, right? And so I don't know how I bumped into her, but when I did, and I found out about her and what she does, which we're going to get into in a minute, I said, "You have got to drop everything and come to the studio and record with us." And uh, that's exactly what I said because you know how shy and bashful I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Caesar Walker Black. I happily give you. Adrian Moffitt Powell <laughs> in the you. building. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, hello, welcome. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You're doing great. I'm doing excellent. Well, we appreciate you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So let's get some backstory here. You, you, okay. Gatry kind of introduced you, um, mm-hmm. talked about how, how did you, why were you at this event? What was going on? I was campaigning. Campaigning. Yes, I was campaigning. So this is a this is an important 2022 is an important it's year very for you. Important. We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
we can we can we, you can definitely go there. What what are you campaigning for? I am running for Jefferson County Circuit Court Judge, Place okay. Twenty Three, Domestic Relations Division. Nice. Yes, thank you. Don't make me repeat that because that was a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You mean like running for a circuit court judge, place twenty three, domestic relations division? That part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> you got to add Jefferson County. Jefferson County. There, there you go. go. Okay. There, there you go. go. All right. Yes. So what does that mean, Adrian? That means I am an attorney who is running for a domestic relations seat. So the current seat is an open seat, and what that means is there is still a current sitting judge on the bench but they are going to be retiring. Mm. And so what happens is that makes it an open seat and anybody who wants to run, we can run for that seat. And we have the Democratic primaries, which is May 24, 2022. Then we have the general election, which is November 7, 2022. And when you get past that, you get sworn in to take the bench in January and that judge will leave. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Okay. So, you are so you are a lawyer in domestic relations. That's, I that's, am. Okay. Yes. This is why I wanted her here, Walker. Talk. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. Yes. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> um, yes. Domestic relations, family law attorney. Okay. And um, you know, I try to break that down. Most people don't know what that is. Most people just kind of are familiar with family law, which is right. when you deal with child support, custody, those things. But with domestic relations, in essence, I am a divorce attorney. Okay. So you just you know, sound a little scared, but it's not. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> just for our listeners out here, just for our listeners out here, I, I didn't have her in here because I mentioned the getting divorced. It's just, it's just, not, it's just like the way you presented it to me in particular, yes. you were like, hey, I represent the guys, yes. right? Right? Yes. So I, I don't know if that's is. putting you to a box or not, but. Um, a little bit, okay. but I would like to expound on it. Yeah, I know we'll get to that. If, but yeah, so as a domestic relations attorney, again, what that means is I am a divorce attorney. But people think when they think divorces, they just think simply the party splitting. But we deal with all types of things in divorces. We deal with custody. We deal with child support. We deal with property. We deal with um, PFA sometimes. That comes through divorce court. What Don't is that? A PFA, protection mm-hmm. from abuse. When you have, yeah, yeah. So those come through uh, divorce court as well. So the difference between domestic relations and uh, family court is that family court, the parties are not married. So we got the mm. same issues, but one in family court, they're not married, and you also don't deal with property issues. Right. And in domestic relations, the parties are married, and of course, we have to deal with marital property. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So the way Gatry mention it to me is that as you as you stated earlier mm-hmm. you repping for the fellas <laughs> adrian i think that's but, all i heard <laughs> but i'm i am going i'm i'm going to i'm going to reposition this for you that's why i'm here yes you represent men and women you I take do. cases for men as well as women i do and that's why i say we can't just put I know, that I know, I know. <laughs> Y'all know how I get. I hear one thing and then, you know. It's like the fellas, man. Right. <laughs> running, all running her was fellas right. come to the show. I was like, okay. You half was about to get it. <laughs> right, right. So, yes, you are correct. I represent husband and wives, moms and dads. But when you get into custody, we have a whole different ball game mm-hmm. when it comes to moms and dads when we got those custody battles. Sure. And that's when we have 
we have to do what I say, at least for my practice. Um, I have to do a little bit more when it comes to representing my dads as it relates to custody. Um, because, I mean, you get into court, a lot of times dads or husbands don't really realize that they have the same exact rights in custody cases as the moms. Um, I get a lot of them come to my um, I suppose my court, come to my office. Yeah, since, you know, speaking of these cases, I like it's that. okay. Thank it's you. All right. yeah. Thank you. Um, come to my office saying, you know, I don't think I may be able to do custody because of X, Y, Z. Or say, hey, you know, this is my standard custodian time. Can I do anything past that? And I said, hey, look, you are not different. And again, I represent the wives. I represent moms. I fight for my clients no matter what. I don't care who they are. But when it comes to the dads, I tell people I do have to do things a little bit differently because moms do kind of come in and it's a little bit easier to fight those cases for custody because people just see mom, they think a maternal instinct, and they instantly kind of think custody goes with a mom or a wife. Mm -hmm. But you have to present those cases where you say with the husband or dads, unless you can tell me something that shows that he's a danger to this child, I can't understand what's the difference between that parent and this one. Especially when you have husband and wife. When you have a marriage and that child was in that household and it's not like the mom or the wife was supervising this child with the husband or the father 24-7. No. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, we have to do a little bit different. I had to present a different case. What, what you know, as a lawyer, there's so many different trajectories, many different paths you can take in terms mm -hmm. of what types of law you practice as mm -hmm. a lawyer. Mm -hmm. What led you to domestic relations? So I actually start working for domestic relations attorneys. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I worked for attorney Sammy Shaw and Kevin Roberts for about six years as a legal assistant for them. And they did a lot of heavy domestic relations, which means, of course, that allowed me to get into the law and just through my legal research and things of that nature. And I found myself being more interested in that area than anything else. And also, as a new lawyer, started practicing in um family court and like I said it's the same exact thing with domestic relations they're just not married we're still dealing with dads and moms and I was able to kind of see from my own perspective that you had again has always been a thing you kind of still had uh that one-sided custody things that I would kind of see even with some attorneys presenting it I've seen attorneys and I'm not saying anything bad about them but I've seen attorneys um don't go ahead and tell their their dads hey you can fight for whatever rights. And, and I kind of ventured into it a little bit more because I wanted to be that attorney that said, hey, we're going to try to change this. I like that challenge of saying, hey, let's talk, see how we can fight this custody case. And before I knew it, I was just more interested in that area than any other area. And that became my main focus, domestic relations and family law. Do you feel like this is, this is part of your purpose? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard to say. Considering that I'm running for judge, I don't want it to look like I am only focused on dads, and that's why, you know, I'm here and should be on the bench. Right. So I, I can't say that. I think my purpose is, or I'm blessed to be able to see those type things from my practice or from when I work for attorneys, and that I'm able to, through my own perspective, bring that to the bench in addition to things that I see with you know, cases with wives and mothers. So I can't say, you know, that's 
my purpose? Well, when I say purpose, I mean just to domestic relations division and your service to, yeah, you know, I mean? agree. Yeah, make okay. sure we give all parties, both parties, absolutely an equal fighting chance. Yeah. And that's as I want to see fairness. I want to see equal 50 50 across the board. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tend to look at people going running for an office as problem solvers, okay. right? They actually see, they see something. It may, you know, we know all systems and infrastructures aren't perfect, right? but they'll see an imperfection or they'll see something and they want to address that with their platform. Right. What is it that you see in this position and what is it that you're willing to bring to this seat? So I will start out by saying this. Um, the domestic relations judges that we have in Jefferson County are excellent. I can't say that I've seen any of them do anything that made me think, okay, this is something that needs to be changed from the bench. I think they're all excellent. I learned in their courts. Um, I've been in front of pretty much all of them. <laughs> but far as, and I, and I want to continue with that from what they have done so well on, but far as what I see or want to bring, it's pretty much the same thing that we already kind of have. We have things like standard visitation. You know, a lot of things are set up for the discretion of the judges where they can say, hey, we have standard visitation. You know, we want to try to exceed that. I can, you know, that's something that I want to see, honestly. And a lot of judges do that. So st are you all familiar with standard visitation? No. Okay. Uh, I'm familiar with the term. Oh. Okay. Do you want me to kind of explain that a little bit? Please. So standard visitation, it's not focused on a mom or a dad or husband and wife. It's a non-custodial parent. So whoever the non-custodial parent is, they have a visitation schedule that they have set up through the court. So the court has the, yeah. I'm with so, you now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have that standard visitation. Um, what I do like is most judges um, do have that discretion to exceed that. And so the standard you normally see is every other weekend, Friday from 6 to Sunday at 6. And if you really think about it, we're talking about like four days a month out of 30 that this non-custodial parent have. Right. But I do like that certain judges, and I want to be able to do the same thing, say, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be Friday at 6. Let's see if we can do, you know, Thursday, pick the child up from school and take the child back to school Monday. Or do one day during the week. You know, pick the child up Wednesday from school and take the child back, you know, at 8 o'clock. And we do have a couple of judges that do that, but I want that to continue to be a norm. I want to see that more so than anything. Also, co-parenting. Co-parenting mm. is a big deal. Mm. And I want to see that, and I intend to push that as much as I can. And just from my experience, when you're dealing with divorce, people get so caught up in the battle themselves that they lose a little bit of focus on the children when they're involved in those cases. And I kind of want to see with um, co-parenting, which is what, you know, you have to be, got to be a judge <laughs> to kind of focus on those things. As an attorney, I can't do it. I can always present it to my clients, but I can't present it any other way. So co-parenting, I, I think is a big deal. There are programs um, that are set up that some people are familiar with. I don't know if everyone is. Our Family Wizard is one of them that allows the parents to put information in as far as what they're doing with the children. Um, I kind of want to see that a little bit a little bit more because I think it disrupts the children when the parents don't realize through divorces 
that these children are going through it too. And they're used to being in a household, assuming we got great parents on both ends now. They're used to being in a household with both. And you right. kind of want to keep that consistency and stability as best you can because I was a product of a divorce, um, my parents. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I have a very close relationship with my dad because they co-parented. Him and my mom co-parented. Adrian, did, did that impact or did that help shape where you're going career-wise? Okay. It did. Okay. It did. Definitely the co-parenting thing. That has always been um, something that has stood out to me. I've even tried to encourage it on my cases because I firsthand have seen how well co-parenting does. I am a product of co-parenting. Right. Um, my mom and dad got divorced. We end up living with my mom primarily. My dad had to stand a visitation. That schedule has been around a very long time. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And he had the every other weekend. But here's what happened. My mom did not hold him to that schedule. My dad was able to come get us anytime. He was, she made sure he was aware of events. He was at prom. He was at, you know, I was a dance girl. He was at all of those things, competitions. He was there. But that's because my mom made sure she informed him of it. And because of that, it made me realize that my dad was still a part. I never felt like I had that void of him being there because he was present all the time. But it took them to co-parent, to talk, and make sure they put that extra effort in to maintain that consistency with the children so that I can maintain that relationship with my dad. And to this day, super-duper close. You cannot tell that I couldn't tell or had any effect, in my opinion, as a child that I was a product of a divorce. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Question, Adrian. Yes. Okay. So I've been in real estate for about three, three and a half years, right? Okay. And so one of the things I've noticed is since I've been exposed to that, I look for a lot of real, like, like I just look at the world differently. Like, I mean, my wife and I have started real estate investing, right? Right. So like our conversations at home have a lot to do with real estate. Gotcha. Adrian, you're a divorce attorney. I know. Now, now, be real. I'm going to be real. You ever come home and be like, well, you know, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, I could I could. I resist. love it. And, and, and conversely, so my, wa- my wife's a dentist, right? So, like, we, we always talking about the teeth, right? Like, I had, I had to put braces on. Like, I remember all that. Like, you know how to mess this dude up if he make the wrong one. <laughs> right, I know right. every loophole. But, yeah. Does that like does that impact like Believe your personal life? It does, but it has the opposite effect that you would think. Because I am a divorce attorney and I have seen so many different things, you know, from representing my clients. I've heard so many crazy stories that it actually made me stop and say, Hey, my marriage may not be that bad. I got Seriously. you. Okay. You know, okay. Like this was small. Yeah. I just walked away from a consult with this lady or this guy had all of this stuff going on. Meanwhile, my husband and I may be fussing over who put the ketchup on the top shelf versus the bottom. Y'all fuss over that too? No, we don't. Look at you. <laughs> we all like day four of fussing over the ketchup. No, I'm right, right. That means so, y'all yes. gonna make it. Yeah. That's what oh, that's, that means. That's, that's a good point. That's what that means. That means y'all gonna make it. That's true love. You ain't in for the long haul. I like that. No, I, so, I, yes. I get what, I see what you mean though. Right. Okay. So you just realize that it's it's not as serious as what you thought it would be. And I I am all the way honest. Being a divorce attorney has made me appreciate my marriage. And I think, and I've been married now uh, 14 years. Okay. Yeah. So 
I think we're doing we're doing pretty good. I think he was nervous about that focus of just being a divorce attorney. <laughs> I, I mean, I would be. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he was a little nervous. I'd be sleeping with one eye open. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. He's like, so you're not going to do a little bit of criminal anymore? you just going to focus primarily on this? That's, that's what you love, you say? So you're going to run for judge for that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he got a little nervous. <laughs> like, but, uh, couldn't leave you if I tried now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He knows he I know stuck. the ins and outs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. right. I think he got nervous when I focused on that area. He's oh, like, goodness. so you're not going to do anything else? Just keep doing just, these divorce Just things. divorce, son. Divorce, 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 son. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it, it actually is a benefit. Nice. Okay. So do you ever find yourself wearing multiple hats in that you are servicing your client, but you play the role as counselor? Oh, absolutely. You know, we're called counselors. Did you okay. know attorneys are called? Yeah, them? yeah, yeah. I did yeah. not know that. I, yeah. Well, in, in TV, I've heard the judge refer to mm-hmm. as a counselor, yeah. approach to stand or whatever. Yes. So, but I'm like advising them, like you know, maybe mm-hmm. this isn't as bad as you think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my client, I promise you, I probably would have so many clients that could confirm this. But yes, um, just like you said, we are called counselors because we do have these consoles and we do counsel our clients. We hear the sob stories. We hear the bad things. We hear the personal things. I have heard some emotional things from clients that I, and I feel for them. And sometimes they just want someone to listen to. They want someone to listen to. They want someone to vent to that they can trust. And they do. They want our expert opinion. And I tell a lot of my clients, I say, you know, at the end of the day, I tell some of them it's not that bad. You know, I have been, even as a divorce attorney, I have encouraged people to stay together or try other avenues before they actually consider divorces. And I tell them, hey, at the end of the day, as a divorce attorney, I'm not going anywhere. My office will always be open. So if it takes you six months to try to work this out because I've seen worse or, hey, did you try this? Because they don't know some of the ins and outs that I know. I say, hey, you could try counseling or, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried to talk to them? That sort of thing. And I said, at the end of the day, six months to a year, I'm still have the same office. I love what I do. If this doesn't work and you took this advice and it still is, you know, not working for you, you call me. Then we'll rock and roll at that point. Hey. But, yeah. So, Adrian, have, have you ever seen them flip? Oh, absolutely. Adrian, let's talk about it. When you say flip, let me make sure I'm Like, clear. okay, okay. So, I am going to get so, a divorce. So, yeah, so yeah, my, my, <laughs> yes. wife, my wife and I have decided we're going to get divorced. We come and see you. Mm-hmm. You you say exactly what you say in terms of the mm-hmm. counselor hat. Mm-hmm. And then we go and we're like, you know what? We're going to work know, it Adrian, out. Yeah, we're going to work it out. Have you seen stuff like that? I have. I have. I have. Um, you know, we can set aside divorce complaints. I've done quite a few. So I've had people to come in. And, you know, I don't hear from them anymore, so I assume maybe it worked out. You know, that's always a possibility. Or I've had them come in, we file, and before it ends, I have filed several motions where I'm asking court to dismiss the case because the parties are reconciled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you still get that bag when that happens? Do I feel bad when that happens? No, do you get that bag when that happens? (laughs) (laughs) I get bad regardless. There we go. I don't care what you do. Well, I know what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just asking. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, look. That direct deposit. I know what the direct deposit going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to but uh, oh, yeah. I would still need you, you still owe me. I still charge by the hour. No, I'm yeah. I'm but yes, that's true. We get paid for the services no matter that's what. That's funny. So, no, Adrian, yeah. that's good to know just because mm-hmm. like, 
in my mind, what and when I conceptualize what you do for a living, mm-hmm. I'm thinking when once once they come and see you, oh yeah, we're splitting. Like it's it's, a, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Okay, because because again, because you said it's legal counsel, so you're giving people counsel based off of where they are in that per, that 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 certain period of time. That is correct. Right. So That's even correct. if you do decide to get together, the fact that they came to see you to discuss the steps. That is counsel. That's services that you've provided them. That is correct. Got it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Adrian. Yes. I got a real question. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to need you to lean in. Okay, I'm ready. Is it really cheaper to keep her? It is. <gasps> so it's not just the same. Mm-mm. You know, I'm just one person giving an opinion as an well, attorney. I think your opinion is very, uh, very sound it considering is, what you is. do. And so when you hear that, it depends on, you know, it's a case-by-case thing. Sure. So we're talking about a 16-year marriage. And you have vested retirement, 401k, you got three, four kids, and, you know, your income is high. And then you got to pay the attorneys. And, yeah, it is you ha- to keep her. And depending on what her profession, <laughs> okay. depending on what she does for a living as well, right? Because the whole point <laughs> is to ensure that the two of you are able to sustain your life after the split. Yes, yeah, so you're really referring to like spousal support, right? Mm-hmm. But and yes, yeah, so spousal support is one thing that can be a part of a divorce that makes people say it's cheaper to keep her. So, so in my case, it'd be cheaper to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> I just look. I just look at you, Blake. I just. I just look at you. I, I do have I a question. I cannot resist. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> What's your question, Black? Uh, do you uh, recommend prenups? It depends on. So here's the thing with a prenup. Some people truly, as you see on TV or what you hear about, they get offended by them, you know, because in essence, what you're doing is saying, "Hey, there's a contract that I'm putting in place with the possibility of a divorce." You intend to go into a marriage saying that this is going to be long term. So, with that being said, I don't necessarily recommend them, but. It depends on, again, it's a case-by-case situation. It depends on the income. And so if you have, you know, this very high income, all these assets and um, things like that that you're vested in, and you say to yourself, if it comes down to it, I do not want to split those assets, then yes, a prenup would be the best thing. Um, you protect those assets in, in advance. But most of the time when you see prenup, it is definitely a business and, like I said, things that have invested and um, high income, that sort of thing. And some people do it just because they say, hey, I want to keep mine and let you keep yours. And we want to keep it simple if it comes down to it because we just enforce that prenup and everybody just kind of go their separate way. That's that's a quick divorce and it's cheaper. I like that. Mm. <laughs> Adrian, oh yeah, because you got the documents already. So yeah. once you decide you're going to dissolve, you just refer to that. Yeah. Bing, bang, That's boom. What the court it's, it basically is like instructions for how, if in the event that this were to happen, this is the get. This is the plan we follow. Oh, I know what they are, thanks to you. What was that look about? Because you're a fan of the prenup. We talked about this before. We, we've had this discussion on this podcast, mm. and it just it's one of the many reasons I'm just disgusted with this individual. Well, so, go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you finish. Thanks, Kanye. So. <laughs> You familiar with the term selective memory, right? Yeah, I am. Okay. I am. So let me give you what happened. Okay. So I have always felt because I think I said I wouldn't get a prenup. Okay. I wouldn't because <laughs> Black says he Black would, says he, he will. He would definitely. I get a feel prenup. like prenups 
like middle class two of you coming together for the most part at this point y'all are i think it called an ikea marriage y'all build it together you know what i mean right. mm-hmm. well played so in an event where you do have assets and let's say you do have children already you want to you want some things definitely passed down to them you want to protect that so oftentimes the prenup is about protecting your assets more so than we may break up and I don't want you to it's it's about protecting what you've built especially especially if it's prior to meeting someone who wasn't there when you were shooting in the gym on the come up right so what I'm saying why my whole point is I think a prenup is important but I think in that regard but I think what happens is I think the execution of getting the prenup is what gets a lot of people in trouble because once you're pulled into each other emotionally y'all on social media then you want to slide the piece of paper and it's like that's probably gonna get thrown out (laughs) that's it's you know what I mean it's gonna cause more headaches and I think and I talked about you know that's something that should be discussed when y'all are dating and vetting each other so that that person knows they may even be in agreement with it if you bring it up at you know the proper timing I think that's that's the way you should go about it if you're serious about it and you know you got assets to protect. That was my whole point. I agree, um, but prenups just have such that bad reputation. Um, you got to change that. And and I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. When elected, she <laughs> will like she will said. start the changing of that narrative. <laughs> you got blacks vote and prenups insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> but it truly is, you know, and I said the only time that I have uh, seen or had someone to come to me, they did have like, you know, a lot of assets and high income. But it that is, like you said, that is not what the main focus is. It truly is to say, hey, some people come and say, I just want to clean divorce. Right. Or they just want to go ahead and outline their property, their assets. And it could be average income or it could be low. It, it doesn't have a set amount. Right. And they just want to keep it clean and everybody already keep theirs. It go that separate way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like the idea of a prenup. Um, you know, just for that purpose. But you got my vote. <laughs> Thank you, Black. <laughs> I know I'm going on a bench. I think Black may go and change his um, identity and vote two, three times. Hey, put that tag on Black. <laughs> <laughs> you got an extra one of them in your purse. <laughs> right. I do. I need to put that on. I see Black changing his uh, coming in with costume and vote about two, three times. I know I'm winning. <laughs> Hey, y'all know Adrian. <laughs> you know she's for the pre-dub, right? <laughs> you know what to do, May 24. You know what to do. So I, I like them. I think if you look at it, like you said, from the um, Caesar, from the business perspective, right. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. But right. most people don't look at it that way. And it right. becomes, it can break up a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Why, that's why you talk about it before the emotions get all tied in because then it right. gets, then, then you, you are asking for a problem. Right. Like I, the horror stories, I'm like, why would you, why would you propose it after y'all engage weeks and months before the, the, the wedding day? Like, of course she doesn't want to sign it at that point. Right. Right. So it's almost like false advertising. Like, you know what I mean? So, do it on the front so she'll know when she's when you propose she knows exactly what she's signing up for right so and they're very hard to i've never seen one set aside it's very hard to set a prenup aside i had a case mm. like that similar uh, where i represent the wife and we were moving forward with the prenup and it was the husband that came to try to fight it 
Hmm. But you, you know, you and both of them had counsel. So I was like, oh. nah, judge is not gonna gonna set that aside. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and she didn't. And she didn't. So she enforced that prenup. But you know what that is. That's in at least in this particular case. What happened was he they you know were married for quite a while. And I was about she, to ask that. Yeah. They were married for quite a while. She had initially at the beginning of when they did the prenup her income was lower. Once they got into the marriage, her income was much, much higher. And his was much lower. Mm. And again, we're talking about, I think it was a long time, I can't remember, but we're talking a very long-term marriage. So he realized, hey, I'm missing out on things like spousal support and I could get out of her retirement. But he waived all of that. So it's almost like he had a buyer's remorse type situation because her circumstances changed mm-hmm. during the marriage. But he Ooh. was stuck at that prenup when she didn't have all of that going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that happens too. Mm. Adrian, this is what you deal with? I love it though. I love what I do. I love being a domestic relations attorney. Wow, no day is the same. Uh, it's not. It is so interesting. The cases are interesting. Have you thought about writing a book? You know, I have. Um, someone mentioned it to me um, because of my background and just in general. So, yeah, I've had a very interesting life. So, I, I have considered that. But. Like you can sell it to Tyler Perry. <laughs> he's got enough stories. He's got enough. I, I don't think he's like, dang, I, I'm out of the same... <laughs> Man leaves woman. <laughs> she, she found she found G, a dude love Jesus with braids. <laughs> we got about ten of them stories. <laughs> You're right. All right. Well, like I said, the wigs alone. Maybe right. want to sell it to Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do better. Tyler not done. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I've I was doing a little research. Um. And I see like where studies in terms of divorce, where it talks about who initiates the divorce more. Mm-hmm. And I know studies like American Sociological Association, they they did a study, I think maybe like six years ago, where they discovered that 69% of the time when there's a divorce, women initiate it. And men initiate less. Now, there's give or take who's doing the study. I've seen some people say 66. I've seen some say 80, that it's the woman. In your line of work, what have you seen? Honestly, I I can't say how true the numbers are, obviously. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, I can't say what I've seen more. I And for the fact that I can't say, it may be the cases that's coming in my office it seems about equal to me. Okay. Um, but I will say this. You tend to have people want to race and beat the other person to filing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've had that. Um, For real? Yes. It becomes, so an again. E- it, almost an ego thing? It does. I was about to say, what's, what's the advantage? To, you don't want to be the one to be divorced. At least that's what I've seen. Now, I don't see that being true. I don't think any of that matters. But from consults that I've had and talking to, you know, like I said, I've been practicing now almost 14 years. So that means I've had quite a few people in my office. And majority of the time, um, now let me take that back, it's not majority of the time, but some of the time I've had people to actually say to me, they're going to file because they don't want to be the one being divorced. They want to be the one to divorce. 
And I don't know why that is the situation, but yeah, some people want to want to be the other person there. It's almost like they don't. Maybe it's an embarrassment or uh, yeah. yeah. Are they are they emotionally and mentally still in high school? <laughs> well, I, I guess know, divorces I get, people get a little petty with yeah, divorces for, now. For face value, I mean, I would I would consume it as whoever files first is the victim, right? Again, everybody has their different reasons. I think true. you can play a victim in any role if you're skilled enough. <laughs> I mean, you can well, take that's the, true. But yeah. you know, that's what people. You, of course, you see plaintiff, and some people think when you see plaintiff, is something went wrong in his marriage, and this person said, "Hey, I, I need to be out." Right. But no, some of it is truly from my experience. I've had people talk to me in consults, and it is a who can get there first because they don't want to be divorced; they want to do the divorcing. Again, you. Things change when divorce comes into play. Things change. Yeah, yeah, that's in, yeah. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, things change. What you uh, you you I speechless? Just, I got so I, I am speechless. I got so many thoughts. Like <laughs> half, I don't even know how to articulate. Well, look, the one is that you can't articulate. What you got? Okay, so Adrian, mm-hmm. I I just I'm curious. You've seen a lot of divorces for various reasons, right? Are there any trends? Like, okay, all right. So we know, yeah, okay, cheated on my wife, she gonna divorce me. We, we gonna, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, outside of that, because because like one of the things, and, and we all know this, we're all married here, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things, I don't no. know, black's not. Well, every, I'm about to say everyone with the microphone. No, not what I bring. Okay, okay, all right. What is that? Three out of the five people in this room are married, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I know one of the biggest things in our marriage, one of the causes of friction, were expectations. Okay. So expectations are tough to deal with, right? And a lot of times they go unvoiced. Mm-hmm. Do you see like trends, like maybe like expectation or or lack of fulfilled expectations being a lead cause? To divorce? I can't say a lead cause, but I have seen that. I okay. have had people to come into my office and, and actually say, I thought he was going to do or she was going to do X, Y, Z, and this is where we are. Or he or she started a particular way, and this person has changed. But my from my experience, majority of the time, people just fall out of love. I get most people come into my office and say, I'm just not in love anymore. Um, and it could be various reasons. I've had people say, you know, we're not doing anything. This is boring. Um, somebody's more focused on the children. And, you know, I've heard mm-hmm. it all. But ultimately, from my experience, most of the time, they have just completely said, you know, I've fallen out of love with this person. I just oh. don't want to be there anymore. And mm-hmm. then the next thing I hear, and again, everybody's case is different, but from my uh, cases, um, the other thing is adultery. You do get a lot of that. Yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't just shrug that off like that. But I mean, I would. Yeah. I would assume that'd be an easy, yeah. easy trend there. Yeah, you yeah. get a lot of that. Um, and some people will claim adultery even if they're not really sure. But they, you know, I've had people say, "Well, mm-hmm. I can tell something's different. Um, he or she is not coming home the way they started off, or he or she is holding conversations late at night, and right. so it could be somebody else. And then, you know, here we are mm-hmm. with divorce." Again, I tell people, because I'm for marriage, despite me being a divorce attorney, or doing domestic relations, I say you have to look into a little bit more of that. You know, you can't right. just 
don't end your marriage because you're thinking there is something going on. And let emotions drive that. Yeah. 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 I say you got to talk. From my experience, the biggest thing is communication. You got to sit down. and, And if you're not doing that, then that's where the problem lies. And so before you contact an attorney and held this long conversation with me in a consult, have you went and talked to your wife or have you went and talked to your husband? Have you addressed this, this, and this? Have you said, hey, I'm falling out of love because we're not doing anything. We used to go places. You used to buy me things. This is boring. But if you're saying it to the lawyer, take that time before you spend that money and see if you can use that money to do something different with the marriage or you step up. Know, and say, hey, well, let me start. Even though we used to go, let me be the one to initiate. Yeah, it's two the folks trip. in there, right? Right, right. Talk so about it, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you just preached to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you put that effort in, and I said, if you put in and invest as much as you can outside of what you feel your normal routine is as the spouse in that marriage, if you put as much as you can in it and you do not see a change, then you come back and see me. But sometimes you have to be the one to step up and make that effort and see if you can make that marriage last. Adrian. Yes. Another question I have. Okay. What's the shortest marriage you've seen? Ooh, 30 days. Get um, out of here, yeah. Adrian. Uh, yeah, I got one 30 days. And it stands That's, out to me because I thought. That was actually long. <laughs> whoa, you whoa. Heard hmm? You've heard of Caesar Walker to the stand. I mean, when we're in the information age, I've heard some oh, stuff. I've heard I some wild stories. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were in, yeah. I don't I'm know sure. anyone personally, but yeah, I've I've heard some wild. Wow. But just but I, I think that goes into the the nature by which they even got married in the first place. Yeah. Cool. Right. So yeah. okay, you're about to preach a different sermon. Um but Adrian, thirty days. Yes. Okay. okay. Now com- now conversely, <laughs> what's the longest tenured marriage you see dissolve? Ooh. Um if you say more than 30 years, Adrian, I'm going to oh, flip yeah. this table yeah. over. Yeah. You have got to be kidding. Yeah. yeah. I have represented. I'm so sheltered. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> have represented clients with marriages that long to the point that I have talked um, and said, you know, are you sure this is what you, are you, sure this is what you want to do? Oh, what have been some long. of the reasons? Like, has it been like illness or something like what's what's the you know what i mean what what illness walker <laughs> what if you what what have been some what, of the like reasons? mental illness like what do you what do you mean a person is dealing with challenges in their body and it's difficult for them to perform certain duties adrian i know you don't have any spineless clients <laughs> like that Forgive, the, forgive me for him. The cases that I forgive have you had. for. I will forgive you. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> um, my cases, um, and it's you know, it's not. It's a little rare. You don't get a lot of those sure. long term like that. Um, but the ones that I had, um, one of them was domestic violence, mm. it, and I know oh, you think really, yeah. but it was. It, it went on okay. for a very long time. And from that case, it went on a very long time. The children were adults and were starting to have that uh, voice to mm-hmm. the, to say, hey, mm-hmm. this is, you know, why are we still here? And they came to me for, for a divorce. It was actually the, the child and the, um, the mom or the wife uh, came to me for a divorce. So that yeah, that's so sad. It was just it went on so long, and you know they were just kind of fed up, and mom was just kind of standing in marriage. Wow. And then some of them they separate, and 
know, everybody goes their own little way, and then they come back and say, "Hey, we need a divorce." You know, people because because they, they met they didn't met somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, well, you're too real for me, man. <laughs> what do you mean I'm too real? Let me have a sheltered life <laughs> as a grown man <laughs> with kids. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so yes, Adrian, that's wild. Mm-hmm. So I, I still can't get over thirty days. Yeah. Um, how do you handle like the abusive situations from a legal standpoint? You have to be very careful with that. Yeah. Because um, they are sensitive. You have to be careful what you say because even if I'm not experiencing it, um, just dealing with it, I, I have to keep in mind that these people are sensitive, you know? Um, and and I and again it's just it could just be me. But I find myself very protective of my clients in those situations. Um, and I fight hard for all my clients. I don't care who it is. Like I said, if you want it and you pay me, oh, I'm going to try to get it. Say you want a jacuzzi, but you only have an apartment, I'm going to need that jacuzzi. <laughs> okay? Again, I love what I do. But when you get into that, I, I become very protective of my, my clients. And I'm going to make sure I say this. It's not just women. I have clients, men, that have been in abusive marriages. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Most of the time when people think, they just instantly take their mind to the wife or the mother. I say no. That's yeah, not but it. no one no one cares to a degree when a man like society, like we don't we don't give it the same attention that we would give a woman in an abusive situation. Most people even laugh at like I've heard stories where people call the police. Or call the police and police would be like, eh, you know. Well, and that, I can't speak on that part, but as the judges that I've been in front of and as attorney, they, they do. That's not, good. Yeah. That's good. You know, it's not, we don't, we don't take that, even as attorneys, we don't take that lightly. Because what we have is, as attorneys, we're going to bring that evidence of that abuse before this judge. Mm. And there at that point... Going to have to look at that evidence and the facts and make a decision to say whether this abuse has taken place and how does that affect their divorce and what the judge decides to award as far as, you know, what they're asking for, assets or whatever. But also as it relates to the PFAs, you know, we have to present evidence on those as well. And a judge has to make a um, uh, grand order whether they're going to do the PFA or not. And that's that protection from abuse, putting that restraining order in place. Mm. So when you bring that, nobody really has, and again, I don't know what officers do. When you bring that to the courts, it's a blank slate. We present that evidence, and if you can prove that case, judges are going to say, I'm going to right, There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, um, do, you, do you feel that because men don't oftentimes know their rights, or they tend to assume that because of their role, traditional role or responsibility, they're out, the mother's close with the children. Do you oftentimes see men not, I guess, getting the short end of the stick in terms of these rulings or, you know, outside of you? But do you do you see do you see that happen often or what happens to men in those cases who aren't aren't up up or educated as to what they have a right to okay so you know I, I I have to say this and I even tell my my men clients you unfortunately you are to blame for that if you don't go out and seek counsel who can tell you you have these rights or look into it yourself you can't just go into the court and just assume 
that the mother or the wife gets to do X, Y, Z. So if they are getting the short end of the stick, it's one of two things happening. They're going in, allowing themselves to get the short end of the stick because they can fight for these things. They can fight for something. They can fight for custody. They can fight to exceed the standard visitation. They can have a trial on those things. But if you go in and you don't fight for it, then the judge didn't give you the short end of the stick. You got yourself the short end of the stick. And the second thing is you have to get attorneys who say to themselves, I have a client who has come to me, and it may be, like you said, a dad or husband, who has come to me, and they're only asking for the bare minimum. When you know as the attorney, they can get more. So I'll say to my men clients, my dad and my husband, hey, so tell me again why you just agreeing to custody? What's the difference? You can't take care of this child? Is that something you want? And then they say, oh, I didn't know I can do this. So I didn't know I can do that. And so I say, hey, non-custodial time, do you just want the bare minimum? Are you just asking for the standard? Right. Oh, I didn't know I can do. So sometimes you have to find the right attorney to present that when they come to me and I see they're asking for the bare minimum. I present them the law and say, hey, these are the things you can fight for. If you don't want to fight for it, then that's your decision. But you need to be aware that you have those rights. Mm -hmm. And then you can make an informed decision on what you want to do. If you want to say, hey, I'm agreeing to custody, go that place, then great. But if you said no, now that I know I can do X, Y, Z, then let's rock and roll. How do we do share? How do we do equal time? How do we make sure that this child is taken care of and loved and having time with both parents without disrupting the stability of the children, but at the same time realizing that they still need both parents. They're used to both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adrian. Mm-hmm. That's difficult though. What part? Just, just the, I guess, I guess, the man knowing their rights in that situation. It, it's difficult. Adrian. So this, why do the women know? Because it's a stigma like Walker was talking about. A stigma? Yeah, that's. Come on, Adrian. Each person. No. So you mean to tell me, just to make sure I'm clear. Uh huh. Right now, you don't know that you have a right to fight for. Well, Adrian. Isn't it a person? I don't think that's fair thing? because I bet you. <laughs> but, but, but I was astonished when I met you and we had gotten to that part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because, like, and I, I don't have any thoughts of leaving my wife. But, man, if I if I did before I met you, I was thinking, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy. I'm a black male. I'm doomed. Oh, but because, because it's the societal norm. But everybody, I'm sure every guy is not thinking that. But I will say majority of the husband or men that come to me believe that they have less Okay. Now I'm thankful for you being here to spread that awareness, obviously. <laughs> but honestly, before then, like, yeah, I was just it's like, just man, like if it ever came down to it, I'm just I'm out the door. And that's, but that is a real fear that men do have. Yeah. Um, in terms of why they there may be trepidation to get married because they look at it as high risk for them, um, especially when you consider. We've we've kind of in a sexual, you know, we've in a sexual kind of culture now, sex has been normalized outside of marriage. So for guys who have access to it, who may have be men of means, what's in it from, you know what I mean? And so the idea is she's if this doesn't work out, she's taking me to the cleaners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for so I think that's the that the that feeds into 
when a guy does find themselves in your office is is almost kind of like a defeated mentality like oh lord what i gotta what i gotta give up like you know what i mean just just give it to that's me true. give that's it true. to me and get it over please with. tell me right? you get that that's please true. tell me you get that that, yeah. that, that is true okay uh, yeah i cannot lie he said that it way more eloquently i'm yeah. too emotional preach walker <laughs> that is that is absolutely true and let me tell you something else that i noticed um i have my women clients file and take care of business of things that need to be changed modified contempts whatever issues they are quick to get things filed, go to the courthouse and have it filed, whether they do it themselves or do an attorney. Most of the dads or the men, they do not. They will sit on issues that may be occurring that needs to be corrected and can be corrected by a judge, but yet they don't file. I, they will come and I'll say, well, this has been going on for a year that you, know, you have not been able to visit with your child and that particular parent is violating that visitation schedule. Why are you letting that go on instead of having a judge to address the issue? So you can't say, you know, nothing happens good for me. I'm in this situation. But all you have to do is file. But if I get the females or I get a a mom or woman in my office, say he's not paying child support, she said, what I got to do to file? I mean, they come in quicker. But most of the time, and it can be three months, six months, you know. And this is not just, I'm not saying that's majority. I do have women that let child support go on forever not being paid before they file. But most of the time, you know, the men are just not filing things. They'll let stuff sit. They just sit and sit. Listen, if, it, if they wait no money, they'll file. <laughs> if there ain't no money in it, it's like, I'll do it later. <laughs> But that affects them. Yeah, um, yeah. Even with things like modifications, you know, we can file modifications. Let's say there's child support that's being ordered to pay. And I'm going to say custodial payment versus non-custodial because we get caught up in husband, wife, or dad, mom. But, you know, dads have custody and have to deal with child support issues with moms. They go yeah. both ways. We just don't um, hear about it, though, Adrian. Right. Yeah, you gotta hear about it. Well, you do, but okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you're 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 in it, but yeah, we don't know. We don't hear about it like socially. We just yeah. So you know, even with modifications. So modifications. Are you all familiar with petition for modifications? No. All right. So that's when you file with the court a petition stating that whatever the previous order that was put in place, you're asking the court to modify it for whatever particular reason. Okay. Most of the time, that reason has to show that there's a change in circumstances from the time that that order was originally uh, done. So to give you the prime example would be if there is a non-custodial parent who is paying child support. At the time the child support was calculated, their income was, you know, 70 grand. But since that, and that child support amount has come out to be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But since that time, that non-custodial parent may have lost a job or there have been a decrease in income or something of that nature. And they do not have the financial ability to continue to pay that child support amount that was originally ordered. Sometimes people would just sit instead of filing with the court to say, hey, I need to modify this to show there's a change in circumstances so I can get this corrected and take care, taken care of. Instead, they will go in default or go into contempt by not paying the amount that's ordered when all they had to do is have the judge to address that and then it puts them back where they need to be. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. It may be a silly question. Do you think a lot of it is fear? 
for the modifications or the just for people just going going to court period yeah people are afraid yes people are afraid to go to court standing in front of a judge like we just we just we again i think for 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 us as a as a race we just courts judges black men i'm cool you know what i mean it it could just it could be over anything ticky tacky but it's just i I gotta go where i think a lot of people in general um are fearful of courts no matter what court it is. It is yeah. scary. It is yeah. scary. We're used to it as attorneys because that's where we eat, sleep, and live. When you have, like, litigating attorneys, you know, we're having trials. We're in that sure. 24-7. Um, I find a lot of my clients who, you know, even in my domestic relation cases and family law cases, that I think, what are you fearful? We're just going in here to calculate child support, but they're nervous. Right. They're nervous because they're like, well, is the judge going to ask me something? What, I, you know, what am I do? What do I wear? But yes, a lot of people do not do certain things, um, I believe, because they are fearful of courts. Courts can be scary. They yeah. really can. Yeah. And, and going in front of a judge can be scary, you know, in general. Just the lawyers, we're not afraid because it's our everyday life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got anything else? Because I, I want to get I want to get to the most important question. Go, you, let's just go there because I... You know how I go. You how you go? Yeah, this okay. is a good point for us to just get to wherever you got to okay, go. Okay, because we're at, we're towards the end. We're towards the close. Okay. What's your nickname again? <laughs> Talk about you. <laughs> you up here. You up here. You up here poised and professional and polished. Adrian, let, the, let and, the record show that I was not going to go there. Subjects and <laughs> verbs agreeing and whatnot and what have you and legal jargon and you ain't got to be afraid of the courts. But your nickname is what now? It is Shank. Your nickname is a verb, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, a little bit about me. Uh, as you stated earlier, I am I am from Ansley. Uh, went to Montevallo, Miles Law School. But when I was younger, before my parents got a divorce, and this is a nickname from I'm saying like a baby. Okay. This is not something I gained. I didn't know you earned. Okay. No, I didn't earn it. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to run for judge if I earn it. Right, right. That's why I just wanted to know. I was like, yo, don't try Shane. I don't, I'm not Who? sure if I could have passed or took the bar if I earned it. <laughs> but yes, that is a dick. This is a childhood nickname from when I was a baby. My parents jokingly just made it up. And what happened is I went to school and I want to say. The middle school, no, it had to be elementary school. With my cousin, Sean, Brankanita, my family, put her whole name out there. Wow. And she would, um, because it was a family nickname, and all my family called me that. Nobody called. I have family members that I'm sure do not know my real name. Like, seriously. Wow. And we went to school. That's how I did. That's, that's how it be. she that's called me, and it just kind of picked up. And so I have attorneys that call me that. I have. Stop. Oh, yeah. I have judges that had to get. Used to call me by my real name. Yeah. So judges have called me Shane. Was it a Freudian in in, in the court? (laughs) No. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, it is that my nickname is so common that at some point um, I'm going to have to put it on something related to my campaign. Because I am telling you, I'm going to miss votes. My high school, college, yeah. like I said, lawyers, judges know me as Shank. I got it. You can bank on Shank. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's go with it. Let's go. 
Let's go. <laughs> you heard it here first on the tipping point. I love it. So y'all see that on my t-shirt. Okay. Don't give him any credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pretending that's all me. <laughs> you got anything so, else? Yes. You got anything else? Uh, yeah. I had a question, but it was it's gonna be long winded. <laughs> Gosh, well, we do a podcast, so I you know, know. in the force for that. But Walker, you know where I want to go, or do you? No. Okay, so Adrian, yes. one of the things you talked about early on mm-hmm. um, on this recording were the kids, right? And the impact, like you know these these family situations have on kids. I'm just I, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fatherhood advocate, you know. Like I love my boys. I talk to my boys uh, on this podcast a lot. They're even in our intro, right? So um, I just want I'm curious, like, and I know there's no average divorce, but just thinking like in a common case like that where kids are involved, you've processed everything. What what resources do the kids have? Like, or or what is there a focus on the kids at all? Are they lost in this whole mix? No, but most of the time it takes either the judge to notice from the case that there needs to be something put in place or something that they need to, from the bench, um, put in place while that case is ongoing for the children. Um, But far as, and I don't see kids truly getting lost most of the time. Again, it kind of takes the judges to do it and notice it, but also it kind of takes the attorneys so if I have a client and I realize that my client is concerned that the children are being lost and maybe say the other side is not realizing it, you know, we start to do, that's when that co-parenting stuff comes into place. And we also have um, parenting coordinators. And what they do is a parenting coordinator can be an attorney, counselor, or whatever, that the judge can appoint to a case to help, um, like, advocate or not necessarily advocate for the kids, but to help some of the friction in a divorce to kind of die down so that it does not fully affect the children. Almost a co-parenting thing, too. Mm. The other thing, too, you know, when there are issues um, and you see children get lost or possibly get lost in case, you know, we have GALs. Are you all familiar with GALs? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. So GALs are guardian items. There are attorneys who are appointed by the court to represent the children. So let's just say that someone files for the divorce and there are some allegations as it relates to the children or there is some concern with the children and the parents. The court realizes that both the husband and wife have their own attorneys that's advocating for them. But when you have no one advocating for the children to protect the children to determine what's in the best interest of the children. Right. So the court then appoints an attorney who is certified to be a GAL, I'm certified as well, and then we go in and we represent the children. And so that's one of the things that I kind of love doing because that's one of the benefits of being able to, you know, run for judge and bring that to the bench because I've represented children. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah. you are able to help and determine what's in the best interest from that experience. And I've been in GL on several cases and I've been certified since I've been practicing law. Wow. And if you have that insight and see what needs to be done from the experience in a the case, then you're able to say, hey, from the bench, I kind of seen this before. I know what needs to take place here. I know we may need to appoint someone on this. I may need a uh, parenting coordinator on this. I may need to put our family wizard in place to kind of defuse the parents. Or maybe we need to set up some type of counseling for them and put the children in. We have situations where the um, parent may be having some issues with the child. And it could be a result Mm -hmm. of something going on or the divorce itself. We can set up counseling. Say, okay, well, we're going to have them. While the divorce is going on, we're going to have 
um, mom and the child do counseling, see if we can build this relationship instead of just letting the parents fight over and put the child in the middle. Gotcha. Wow. Did I, I answer your question? You did. Okay. You did. <laughs> I got two questions. I'll be done. I promise. You said you said co-parenting a lot. Okay. Yes. Did you watch Insecure? I did. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> oh god. <sighs> We're not gonna spend a lot of time here, but I'm just curious. We here now. <laughs> <laughs> My God, today. Go ahead. <laughs> we, Walker and I had. I'm it. collecting myself. This is. I'm usually cool, calm. I'm, I'm, try, I'm getting back cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Continue. Walker and I had a heated discussion about Lawrence and Condola. Okay. All right. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Have you seen? You seen? Yes. I've yeah. Seen you you caught up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I was I was Team Lawrence. Okay. Because my thing was I'm Team Lawrence. You're not. Feel this. Go we ahead. we were all Team Lawrence. Where were we? Yeah. Were. Yeah. Was I here? <laughs> Physically. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were Team Condola for a second, for real. I no, really like did. overall, I'm Team Lawrence. But okay. in this regard, I thought that Lawrence was wrong. Okay. So we, we zeroed in on Lawrence and Condola. Okay. Co parenting, you know, the whole situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know where your friction came with my argument, but my thing was like, Lawrence was, he was doing everything he could to be present in that young man's life, right? Mm-hmm. Young man, that baby's life. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess some people in this uh, studio felt like he could have been doing more. But I'm just curious, like, in thinking of co-parenting and insecure, what are your thoughts with Lawrence and Condola? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm with you. I was team Lawrence on it. I, I, I really was. Is that applause on I- here? <laughs> I don't think that's the situation, but go ahead. <laughs> I am. Well, I, I'll, I'll let her go. I'll let yeah, her go. Let, go, let, go, it, go, let, let it go. Let her go. Let her go. Um, I'm with you. I, I felt like Lawrence was putting in the effort. I, I did. I, I felt like he was, you know, traveling, trying to make sure he was there present for the baby. Um, and with that being said, I there were certain moments that I felt like Cadola was acting as if she was the only parent that could care for a child, and there was nothing that was placed on the show or that I would say if I was a judge presented as evidence to say that he does not have the ability to take that child with him. What has he done to put this child's safety at risk to say that he cannot or he does not have the ability to care for a newborn or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, the child's age was. So with that being said, I was definitely, I saw that it stood out to me. It's funny you even brought it up. And I was definitely saying, I think Lawrence is putting in the effort and I felt like she was saying you know, because I'm a mother, you know, I know the best for the child and you can't take the child here and there. But you're a brand new mom. You're learning the way he's learning. So I feel like they were equal equal parents. So I was definitely team Lawrence on that one. I, I, Adrian, Adrian, I don't even know if I can vote for you because where I live, <laughs> but I'm voting anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Put that Black is going to do it. <laughs> I'll be fair that you mm-hmm. come in with your shenanigans. No, I'll give you my points after the podcast. I disagree with both of you two. But Oh a little director's cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're going long. Okay. Oh yeah. Um oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. let's try the time. Did you have another question? No, I'm done. No, I promise you those are my last two. So okay. yeah. Gotcha. Um Can I call you Judge? And look, I can we just yeah, can I'm, we put I'm it out there? I'll call you JS. I like that. What I like that. JS. Yeah. We're gonna call you JS. I like that. All right, JS, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thank you for real. And hanging this with was us. great. It was great. I um so that means we can expect you back in the in the near future. Yeah. 
Whenever yeah. you ask Adrian, me. we forgot to tell you that off air. That's oh. the only rule we have with guests is you got to come back. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I, I forgot to tell you off no, air. Hey. That was my rule. You got to hey, bring it back. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah. That yeah. is not a rule for every guest we've had. <laughs> well, just because they don't abide by it, that's on them. Fair enough. Is it really? Mm-hmm. You okay. haven't said that about. Okay. Okay. You get selective memory. All right. So. <laughs> We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. Plug, just plug away. Tell people what they need to know. Yes. Tell them what they need to do. Well, thank you. So, again, I am running for Jefferson County Circuit Court Judge, Domestic Relations Division, Place 23. Asking for everybody to go out and vote for me. Asking for their support, prayers. Um, just a little bit of information. Like I said, this is an open seat. I've been practicing a little bit um, close to 14 years. I've said as special judge um, for several judges in family court as well as criminal court. And like I tell people, that's a big deal because what that means is there are judges who trust me as an attorney to hear their cases and hear their dockets. And so I am blessed that they let me make decisions on their cases for those clients. Um, I have the experience. I, you know, I tell people I definitely do that. I've done the GAL thing. I've represented everybody. I represent the husbands, the wives. The children, which gives me a very broad perspective on cases. And I think you need that, you know. Also fair, like we said before. You know, everybody wants that fair shot in court. You want a judge who is going to be smart, understand the law, quick to apply it. You also want a judge that's open to listen. You know, you, you, gotta, you can't know everything. You just can't. You right. want that type of person on the bench. Again, you want someone with compassion. We're dealing with children. We're dealing with people's lives. You don't want anyone to make a decision that affects your family who do not know what they're doing or right. do not have the experience or that knowledge. You want somebody smart. And, again, I am definitely that person. I, I have that experience. I have that background that I think benefits me. Go before the bench. Um, and I'm hardworking. I always have been. And I will be and continue to do that. So I'm asking everybody to vote for me. Thank you, guys. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Plus, I don't even know who else running again. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, you're right. You're right. But <laughs> well, we're all friends here. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to find out is what I'm trying to. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to take a quick pause and we'll be right Yo, and we are back. Shouts out again to our special guests for coming through and hanging out with us. And now we got to close out with shout outs and player of the week. Gatry, who is your shout out? Walker, I got Larry Miller. Now this shout out is going to be unconventional just because the story is really, really crazy. But I think it's inspirational. And when I heard it, I was like, okay, he's going to be my shout out. So Larry Miller... He is the former president of Nike's Jordan brand and current chairman of Nike's Jordan brand. Um, so this dude's got a story, man. He uh, he grew up in, I think, the West Philadelphia and uh, was in the gang culture in his teens and ended up murdering a man. Right. And uh, went to jail or excuse me, went to prison and uh, did rehab, did, did, did rehabilitative work while in prison, got out, got caught up in the streets again, 
got back in prison. And here's where the story gets great. He decided that he would earn his GED in prison and then eventually earn an accounting degree from Temple University while in prison. Hmm. So um, as he's, you know, as he's bettering himself in prison, as he's what, what for good behavior, I think they let you out early, get early release or whatever. Uh, he gets out and he starts to build his career. He's got a degree from Temple. He's starting to get job opportunities. But one thing that's that was eating at him for years, 40 years, as he's uh talked about talks about in his book was the fact that he killed this young man over nothing as he says just you know being in the game culture so where i want to shout out larry miller is his effort of reconciliation he said he experienced bouts with dealing with like heart attacks panic attacks anxiety attacks and it's all linked to this senseless murder that he committed 40 plus years ago so Larry went to the young man's family and asked for forgiveness for what he did. And so it, the, the, the family reluctantly uh, forgave him for that. But I just want to shout him out just because the amount of courage that it took for him to do this was just kind of earth shattering. He, I mean, not realistically, but I mean, he didn't really have to do this, but he did. But the platform that Larry Miller's building around this is really serving or really, I guess, standing to teach young men like if you're in this gang culture, be responsible with it. You don't necessarily need to take somebody's life just because this is what it did for me. Excuse me. This is what it did to me. So, yeah, a real unconventional shout out. But Larry Miller, you are my shout out this week. I'm tripping. So my shout out goes to an Alabama native, uh, Taylor Culliver. Uh, he's of Bay Minette, Alabama, and he is the he's an entrepreneur and he has a nonprofit called Brother Box. And this mission, he's on a mission to change the narrative and cultivate spaces where black boys can feel seen, heard, and valued uh, through his nonprofit. And what it does is, is, you know, there are socioeconomic inequities that can kind of um, affect or create disproportionate results in terms of black kids as it pertains to other races of kids. And so, what this nonprofit does is it creates special programs that targets middle schoolers, high schoolers, and it's just an obvious, it's a holistic and human centered curriculum that kind of supplements what they're learning in the cl classroom, but also provides care packages for these kids just to remind them that they're valued. And sometimes in, in school, they can kind of get lost in the shuffle and that's where he comes in through his nonprofit. It's also designed to kind of help prepare them for the next level in college. Um, and so he he came up with this. And, of course, he was some came up where his family pushed him to pursue uh, education, encouraged him, gave him the confidence to succeed. And he wants to give that back to other black boys. So shouts out to this brother for giving back and trying to create 
and environment for young kids like the one he had. Who played themselves? Walker, I got a really good one. I'm taking you to Ontario, Canada. Okay. Darian Kidd is his name. Okay. Did anybody hear about this? No. Okay. So Darian Kidd is the former store manager of some random footlocker in Ontario, Canada. So those of you who are listening are thinking, well, why is he the former manager? Well, here's where it gets good. Darian, I guess, um, you know, kids these days just, you know, in their social medias and their all-access cameras and everything. I guess he decided that he was just too bored with, you know, the store manager position at Foot Locker. So <laughs> this is so crazy. Darian decides, you know what? I've got a great idea. Darren goes to the storeroom of Foot Locker, strips down naked, turns on his Snapchat video, proceeds to grab a box of insert dope sneaker here, open said box, and yes, Walker, ejaculate in the shoe and put the shoe back in the box. He posts his video from his own Snapchat. Okay? Smart. Uh, very smart. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. So here's why this is dumb, Walker. Okay, you would think him putting it on Snapchat was dumb enough. So he puts it on there. He's getting, I, I don't have a Snapchat, but whatever messaging system that Snapchat, ha- Snapchat has, he's getting messages from his friends saying, dude, what are you doing? Like, what is going on with you? So he says, okay, I guess this wasn't a good thing. So he says, oh, I'll delete all my, I'll do, delete all my social media accounts and everything will go away. No, um, your storeroom at this Foot Locker in Ontario, Canada is well equipped with closed circuit cameras. They captured the whole thing. Darian's unemployed, obviously. Walker, you know that I, well, I'm not as bad as I used to be. At one point, I was very, very heavily involved in sneaker culture. There are several sneakers out there that I don't own yet. but um, And there's several sneakers out there that excite me, but I just cannot see myself going to such lengths to show my excitement over sneakers. Darian, um... Congratulations. You played yourself. Wow. So, Walker, next time you're a footlocker... I won't be. Protect your neck. I don't have a name, but... A 34-year-old man... Robbed a New Jersey market three times in six days. And he got away with it. The same store? Same store. Same market. Okay. Now, you would think that after robbing this New Jersey market three times in less than a week, you would think to kind of lay low. You know, there's a there's a saying, you know, going back to the well, sometimes the well runs dry. Right. Right. This unnamed 34 year old never got that memo because he went back a fourth time. And an off duty Jersey City officer who had stopped to check in on the grocery jumped out the back of the store <laughs> 
and startled the would-be robber. Um, the would-be robber dashed from the market and ran into the arms of the owner's son, who also ambushed him as well. Um, so yeah, he thought that he thought that he could rob them a fourth time, Gatry, as if they wouldn't be anticipating it or expecting it. Fred, the late Fred Sanford. You big dummy. Yes, I mean, you don't have to elaborate. You don't have to elaborate on where, some of Where these. was this? New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. Close to Ontario, Canada. Yeah. The drugs are potent, I guess. They're different. Could be drugs. It could just be stupidity. Oh, okay. It's not always drug-induced, right? No, not always. We can't always blame it on the drugs. Good podcast. Great pod. Thanks, AP. For sure. For sure. You ready for us to get out of here, man? Are you ready? Hmm? I'm not going to answer that. Your energy is off. Give me music. <laughs> May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. Let us go in peace. Guys, you have a great week, productive week. Thanks for tuning in. As always, Caesar Walker. Scott over here is Ronnie Gatchery. We are the Tipping Point Podcast. Peace out.